Welcome to the EntreEd Talk podcast. We are your hosts, Toy Hirschman and Laura McCall. Join us as we dive into incredible stories from inspiring entrepreneurs around the world. Whether you are an educator looking for ideas to engage students, a new learner, or someone who wants to be inspired, our guests' journeys and their ideas will give you resources to create value and take your own leap into entrepreneurship. We are so looking forward to sharing our message with you. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the EntreEd Talk podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Hi, and welcome to the EntreEd podcast, where we are so excited today to get to know Dr. David Darab. David is a practicing oral surgeon who owns and operates three offices in Western North Carolina. He has a unique pedigree of clinical experience and expertise combined with business knowledge. He's a continuous learner who is never satisfied with things as they appear. David loves helping others find new ways of thinking and new business perspectives. He earned his doctor of dental surgery from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where he graduated top of his class. He went on to earn a master of science in anatomy, where he was a teaching assistant from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas before completing his residency in oral maxophilia surgery at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center Parkland Memorial and Affiliated Hospitals. David, that's a lot of words to say. He holds dental licenses in both North Carolina and Colorado. And David loves following his passion for finance. He more recently earned his MBA from the University of Massachusetts Amherst Eisenhower School of Management. David has served on a National Science Foundation grant as well as a National Institute of Dental Research grant. He has numerous publications to his credit and has a patent pending in the field of anesthesia. David is deeply involved in his community where he served as the past president of the North Carolina Society of Oral and Maxifacial Surgeons and currently associated with Exodus Homes where he's a volunteer dentist and surgeon. In addition, David, to his clinical practice, he serves as the Director of Dental Practice Strategies with OmniStar Financial Group, where he coaches dentists in creating and sustaining financial success. Welcome, David. We're so excited to have you here and learn more about your journey. Great. Thank you for letting me join and share some pearls and tidbits (laughs) with you all. So before we dive in, and there's a lot to dive into because you have shaped your career in multiple ways through the years. Um, Tell us a little bit about the journey into owning your own business. Probably starts um, way back. We all have a mentor that may have guided us or a role model, probably my my family dentist. If I'm thinking way back, being in a dental office a lot, going through dental treatment, orthodontic treatment, even oral surgery, and thinking that's kind of what I would want to do as I entered entered college um, and then excelled and then chose the career path of of oral surgery. That or orthodontics was either one. I thought oral surgery would allow me more opportunities. And the interesting thing about dentistry, dentists are uh, kind of their own entrepreneurs. They are, um, they manage and own their own practices, uh, kind of run their own little C-suites in each office uh, which is how I became involved in in the business aspects, realizing I didn't really know near enough uh, to manage an, a practice efficiently and went back and pursued additional knowledge through my MBA and now have the opportunity to help other dentists through OmniStar in coaching and consulting them. Awesome. Uh, I know a little bit from reading your background and knowing you personally that um, you have an 
immigrant background? Did that influence you at all in terms of wanting to be an entrepreneur? I think um, one of my adages is hard work works. And that's that was something instilled in me very early. My mother's parents immigrated through Ellis Island. They're Sicilian in descent. And uh, my father's parents were from Czechoslovakia. So hard, hard work was always uh, part, of, part of the family unit. Well, we grew up in very modest means and entering college or actually through my first year of college was really was struggling and not doing very well. And it was really summer, summer work in one year, uh, a factory. And then <clears throat> the subsequent summer, I worked in a steel mill and it was uh, working in a steel mill and seeing you know, the very harsh and strenuous conditions those people worked on that really kind of got me in gear in my academic career and started to, to really excel uh, in classes and allow me to gain entrance into dental school. So hard work is, is part of that and continues to be, uh, continue to state that or remind that to everybody, anything worth worthy normally won't come easy. That's so, that's so true and so much to unpack here. This is really, this is really cool. I'm so excited to meet you, David. And um, we've talked to, in, in our journey with this podcast and just in our work, so many medical professionals who realized like you did, like, oh, I have to be an entrepreneur if this is going to succeed. And it's really interesting that you came to that realization and then you actually went and got your MBA and now you're doing some coaching to help other dental, dental practices and oral surgeons. And I really would love if you could talk a little bit more about that personal realization and then what you're able to do with it now that you can act as a coach and mentor. Well, I think one of our kind of our motto at Omnistar is illuminating blind spots and the biggest thing, and we see it all the time uh, in many small businesses or blind spots, you, you don't know what you don't know. And people will fall off a ledge and not realizing that they were approaching the ledge. Um, and I, I quickly realized that went through the, well, post 9-11 was in practice. And you know, we began to see, well, I didn't notice it. I remember, I remember very distinctly the call from the accountant one day, David, do you have, you care, we used to carry bank bags that had deposits from insurance companies and patients that we would take to the bank back in the old days. And uh, it was Maurice. I said, Maurice, I don't, I don't have any bank bags. And he said, how about John? John was the senior partner. I said, no, he doesn't carry bank bags. I said, what's up, Maurice? He goes, well, you don't have enough money to make payroll. There's not enough cash in your bank account. Wow. And um, wow, I said, well, what do we do? Well, he said, probably the easiest thing is you, you can't pay yourself. So, you know, the doctor payroll is the largest part of payroll, typically. So, you know, we work through that, then you kind of ask the question, well, how, how did that happen? How did we fall asleep? And I wasn't that involved in the finances at that time, I was the junior partner and I kept asking questions to Maurice and Maurice was our accountant. And I'd always get the same answer. Well, Dave, it depends. Well, it depends on what Maurice? Well, it depends on, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Accountants are always wanting to give you the precise legal definition. 
And so I, I kind of got tired of hearing it depends and then had an opportunity through the American College of Physician Executives to pursue a part-time MBA. I saw a lot of my colleagues in our area doing uh, these weekend warrior courses at Chapel Hill, Duke, and Wake Forest, uh, which are exceptional programs, but didn't really have the time to dedicate a weekend a month doing that, raising a family. So when the uh, online portion and remote education became available, it was a perfect opportunity for me. Yep. You know, you talk about, it, it strikes me, we, when we talk to entrepreneurs, you often hear the, the risk that are involved. And particularly in this case, the financial risk, you're running a practice and then all of a sudden you have to step back and, and not take money. And that's huge. I think that's really important for young persons to know that, that being an entrepreneur takes risk on all kinds of levels, including being responsible to others and their, their livelihoods and, and their paycheck. And, and you might be the one initially who's, you know, not suffers, but has to take a step back. So in, in that and, and listening to, I have to say that your uh, steel mill experience resonates with me because my father um, had us work in the factory. And he always says to appreciate your education. And, you know, it doesn't take long to work in a factory to say, okay, I got it. You know, I was a young kid, I was a sophomore in high school and each of me and my siblings had that experience. And so you look back and he rewarded us later, but you know, you talk about, um, you mentioned it, hard work is hard work and you, you do have, you know, it helps you come up with certain values. So, and all that, it seems like you're extremely resilient and, and you've pivoted yourself in multiple ways throughout your career. So what would you say has guided you, your principles, your mentors, what, what do you rely on? I think it's, it's continuous learning. Uh, uh, Someone today can't, can't ever stop learning. And the beauty of the web, the internet, is there's really, a, you have free access to learning almost whatever you want to learn today. Um, so if I have a, have a question, even when I'm reviewing and approaching material, uh, even for my own podcast that I, that I host, the same way, you're, you're on the internet, vetting sources, reading about it, taking you down, rabbit holes sometimes, uh, but con the continuous learning you know, is, is critical. The world changes rapidly and, and in our present pandemic, it's shifting even more, more, more and more rapidly uh, for all, all businesses. And you know, we're seeing, we remember back in 2008 in the financial crisis, they were stress testing banks and, and now we're stress testing businesses. And, and we can see, I think the Small Business Association might report statistically that most small businesses are within two or three payrolls of running out of money. Um, so they're constantly on the verge of insolvency. And you're, you're correct. What, what does keep me going is realizing that we have, you know, well, gosh, between in our practices, more than 15 people that rely on our practice for their for their family income, so it does uh, create responsibility to uh, manage both taking care of, of your patients as well as managing the financial and business aspects, you know, of a of a bit of a entity. Wow, 
Yeah, that's a that's a heavy a heavy lift <laughs> for sure. You know, like to think I, I have my own company, but it's just me. So if I don't make payroll well, <laughs> it's just me. Um, I love that you talk about continuous learning because that's such a big deal right now. When we talk to educators and young people and entrepreneurs, because I think now more than ever, we're all kind of learning, all of us are kind of learning things on the fly and trying to figure out how we navigate this strange time that we're going through right now. I know Laura and I have many conversations about, oh, what's this new platform we need to learn? <laughs> oh. And we joke in our office, it's every time we have a Zoom meeting, there's another training to develop. Yeah. It's something new, and, but it's good. I mean, and it's good, and it's it's ultimately, I think we're gonna come out the other side of this a lot smarter. Yes. Um, but I also I love that you talked about eliminating blind spots, and I would love it if you would share a, like maybe a, a coaching a coaching example or some where where you were able to help somebody find a blind spot, whether it's a dental practice or someone else that you've dealt with that just, you know, it's, it's that a lot of entrepreneurs we talk about discuss the, those pain points, the blind spots and how you find those and then how you come up with a solution. We've got, um, so the, the interesting thing, coaching and, and I won't, uh, most, most independent medical practitioners are certainly highly knowledged. They're highly educated and they're highly confident of, of everything they know. And, and many of them are very, very hard to, to coach for that reason. It's, it's kind of hard to, show, to tell them something different until you could show them something different. So, you know, we typically go in and we have a, a bolt-in software program that'll quickly pull out some financials. And there's, there's no practitioner that we don't go into that doesn't think they're running the very most efficient profitable practice or which is true by their own admission they wouldn't be doing it nobody intentionally does things incorrectly but they don't know what they're doing incorrectly so uh, we can go in and show them some areas where they're you know leaking revenue or leaking costs or overspending uh, and it's always illuminating when they look at these reports and the one thing that's somewhat hard to argue argue with are numbers uh, numbers Accounting numbers can be distorted, but uh, when, when they're grossly out of line with their peers, it becomes more obvious. And then that gives us some credibility in the, in the eyes of these practices that in fact we do know maybe more than what they know about these topics. So just recently, in the midst of all of this COVID and pandemic, uh, we're looking at several practices that we're consult, consulting and coaching. And, you look at a very basic thing of their struct, how are they organized as a business? And many of these solo practices are sole proprietorships. And sole pr proprietorships provide zero uh, liability protection for the practitioner, for their estate. Uh, they, they have put everything at risk, their home, their retirement, every asset they have. So we are, and this, this is within the last couple of weeks, we've uncovered three new clients that are sole proprietors. Wow. And it's, it's alarming because they are, they're senior pr practitioners like me that have 
sizable assets that, you know, a, a malevent, um, not only with a patient, but on their practice or on their facility could lead to uh, litigation and risks their whole, you know, everything they've built over an entire career. So, so a simple thing like making the recommendation to set yourself up as a limited liability corporation, creating, and, and we've seen this is something that's happened within the last week, three times. So, but they never knew, you know, there's, they've been doing it. It's worked well. They look in their, they look in their checkbook and there's money, they're making payroll, they're funding their retirement plans and there's more left over. So everyone thinks things are good, but you, you don't know when the, when the disruptors coming as we've just had, or are currently in, you know, pretty sizable disruptor, this pandemic to, close practices down to revenue for several months. Incredible. I can't believe that that, <laughs> that, that I, I guess as, as a doctor, you're so specialized and you're so, and like you said, so, so educated, but we don't see, we're starting to now, we're starting to see more universities provide some of that background to all of the majors and all of the, you know, all of the disciplines. Um, but from my experience, I know that that's not happening largely yet. And that's, that's incredible. That's incredible that you just something that, that, that to me, seems simple, but if I was a doctor, I probably wouldn't even think about that. No, that's, that's exactly right. And, and curriculums are slowly trying to adopt entrepreneurship. Uh, I know uh, UNC dental school is working that way. Uh, but, but the curriculums are packed with science and knowledge. It, it's hard to find that. But there are, uh, I look at, uh, Toby Tobias was the CEO of um, Cleveland Clinic, brought Cleveland Clinic into you know, its world-renowned world reputation in cardiovascular care. He himself was a heart surgeon. Um, he was not an MBA but he, one of the quotes I like is it's easier to teach a doctor business than a accountant medicine <laughs> so, or something along that line. But it was true. He would surround himself with people. He didn't know the answers. And I don't know the answers to every question. Nobody knows the answers to every question, but you have to have enough bandwidth of your knowledge to know when you're approaching your limit. And, and if you don't, that's where these blind spots are and they're, they're everywhere and they, they can be inherently well dangerous in our own physical world, camping, hiking, doing other things. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty common. You don't know what you, what you don't know. Uh, we see folks running into problems all the time in their practice that, that they need to refer to a specialist like us. And it was almost routine that I never saw this before. Well, it just meant that you've never done it enough to see these things happen. Um, so it's something highly coachable, um, that, but it normally normally spends, stems off of a crisis or a calamity is when people become more open to, or they feel some risk that they may, may not have, that they need to reduce. I think, you know, the, the ton of sort of entrepreneurship and Toy and I talk about this a lot and try to teach young students and teachers about it. One of what you said 
uh, rings true. It's questioning, being able to question it. Because as entrepreneurs, sometimes certain personalities of entrepreneurs just will dive into something. And as you said, think they know um, an area. And if they're not willing to ask the questions and be uh, available to answers and new things, then yes, it, it can be troublesome. And I think you know, every entrepreneur that we've talked to so far will say they failed maybe once, maybe twice, multiple times before they actually hit it big until they found their rhythm and, and probably because they asked questions and they were pursuing until they yeah. got it right, you know. Um, so in your guiding principles, we talked about this. What, what do you say to young students who want to be uh, business persons or entrepreneurs, not necessarily business, but entrepreneurs? But, you know, you're a lifelong learner and you've never stopped learning. So what do you kind of say to you? You have, he has three boys that I know personally, and they've been educated in both public and private schools. And um, so how do you encourage them or how do you encourage other young people to keep moving forward? I think you start by finding what, what interests you, what sub trying to expose for, for my boys, expose them to a breadth of opportunities, whether it was sports and arts and music and uh, some things stuck with them, some things didn't stick with them, some things they've continued to enjoy as they grow and mature, other things have gone by the wayside. So, and then you know, they're, their interests change with time too. So certainly follow your interest. Those interests may not be passions to begin with, but, but may develop uh, in, into passions as, as time goes on. And then, and then be ready to, to change. Uh, has, has the business culture changes, the world changes, begin to adopt new things. I love that you said that, David. And something that always generally comes up in the entrepreneurship realm, which is, you know, people say, follow your passions, right? And I've always been somebody that's like, well, what the heck are those, right? right? <laughs> but what you just said just now really bonked me on the head because you said follow your interests and those might turn into passions and you don't know, but you have to pursue those opportunities. And I think that that is so cool because there's so many people out there that are these gurus like oh huh, find your passion and I always want to punch those people in the throat because I don't know what that is can we take a test and get a no, guess that's, now? that's right it's one of the things that yeah I've got some buzzwords that I not that I would would steer away from that would be one it might it might become a passion but it probably doesn't start a passion it starts, it starts as a kindle or as an ember, uh, much like a firewood. And then, and, and passions probably take nurturing. It takes a combination of your environment, having people that can support you being in the right lane. Um, but certainly you can't do entrepreneurship level work. The amount of commitment, time, risk that will be required if it's not something you're, you can live, eat and breathe all the time. Yeah. I think that's so cool, but I'm glad that you said that because I think that's something people need to hear that it's, it doesn't have to be this smack you over the head, uh, you know, whoa, this is my, this is my thing. You know, it, it might start as just something you like to play the guitar and then it turns into something else or you just these little things. So, right. yep. mm -hmm. cool. 
Could you share with us some of your, your passions besides all of the things you're doing professionally? Some of the cool things I know from Laura that she tells me really cool things. So <laughs> if you share some of those with us too. I love photography. Most, most dentists are kind of also photographers that starts, that actually goes way back to high school. So I was a student athlete, but was also really involved in art in drawing, painting, and then photography. And it was always kind of an oxymoron that, why is this athlete in art? It was kind of the right brain, left brain kind of thing. And so I've always had, I actually wanted to be a, I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. That was kind of my passion. Yeah. And my parents convinced me that wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna work. There, <laughs> there were very few of those around, which is probably true. Um, but it's always been, I think that's the create a creative side of me, always looking, I'm always looking what's different. Um, I think it was George Patton, I may be wrong, but Patton said, if everyone's thinking the same, then no one's thinking. And I love that. Um, if, it's, if it's what everyone is talking about, that's probably not something I want to be doing because you're at the caboose at that point. If you're looking at, I want to be at the want to be at the engine, want to be at the beginning of something. And that takes having your radar up, being very observant of what's happening uh, around you. And it's what certainly helps, helps us um, with our clients is being well, well learned in many different areas that uh, our clientele don't have time to do. So I know Toy gave me the opportunity to um, give away the store. So David is my life partner. And I know from um, just watching his brain work, he does truly have an entrepreneurial spirit, but it's, um, you know, you mentioned the art, David. And so I live in Asheville and he started something on Twitter called the Asheville Coffee Trail. We'll go uh -huh. to different coffee shops. He'll take photos of things that strike him from a coffee um, venue and then post it. So there's always something I think you're, pursuing that is um, an interest, a passion. And, uh, you know, so that's, it's fun. It's fun to be around someone that is always pursuing something new. So we have talked about students. Is there anything you would say, because you were lifelong, again, we keep saying that word, but learner, and you've been a teacher um, and you've done multiple things in education. What would you say to teachers to help them inspire students? The amazing thing today and the wonderful thing today is that everybody has at the tips of their keyboard access to the world for you know sharing whether it's certainly even it you know we talked about instagram twitter uh, blog posts developing websites it's very very easy so it's encouraging these interests being aware following their interests finding a project that might interest them and then a lot of it is just it's it's iteration it's what does work what doesn't work doesn't work you do something different. That's a constant process in entrepreneurship. And the other thing I like to share with people is, is you know, find your audience. One of the folks I would highly encourage people to read is Seth Godin talks about your tribe, find your tribe, you know, find the others. So uh, you can't serve everybody and knowing who you can't serve or learning to say no is, is critically important. You can't be all things to all people. So once you've found your community, you know, he talks about a community of a thousand, you need, you need a thousand raving fans to reach a, a, a critical, <laughs> wow. a cr critical a mass. <laughs> um, 
then you can you can begin to become self-sustaining. So find find those that you can serve, serve those well, and they'll tell others is, is kind of his story and, and it works well. Um, and that, that's kind of where you kind of have to find it for yourself because, um, and that's, I prefer to coach than consult. I look at consulting as doing things for people. And in our own practice, we've, we've had, many consultants and you pay sizable sums of money and they leave and you're left with one or two pearls that you kind of implement because a lot of it wasn't meant for you. It wasn't meant for your style, your business, your practice, your demographics, however it may be versus coaching. You let us try to teach you some of the nuts and bolts, show you some of these areas and then, and that's where the hard work comes in. Yes, it takes more work to try to figure this out for yourself, but it's going to work a lot better for your tribe because only, only you know your tribe. I love that. It's sort of interesting. It, it seems like it's over, over the span of you know the last half century or so. It's really changed because we didn't have access to the world in our, in our pockets, and now we do. And what's interesting is that you know, before we had all of this access, it was finding any audience, you know, you wanted to get as many, you know, market for everybody, but now you can't. And now you do have to really narrow it down because you have access to everyone. You don't just have access to, you know, the people in your five blocks in your city or whatever. It's now everyone and really being specific on who your audience is. And um, that's, that's such an important thing. We, we talk to students all the time about identifying an opportunity and finding that real audience. And we have a lot of, you know, we've worked with a lot of schools where kids go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really into these cool, you know, coffee mugs with this. And they just think everybody is. But then when we have them actually do a deep dive into, well, who is your audience? Who are you solving a problem for? Why, why would they want to buy your cool coffee mug, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, but that's a huge learning experience to find that specific targeted audience. That is a huge blind spot. That's the, who's it for? What's it for? The two hardest questions to ask, you know, what are you making and who, who's it for? What it has to solve a problem. And then, and it's the biggest blind spot every business have is customer the perception versus expectation gap. And it's very hard to close that gap. You know, I, even in my own business, I might think I know what my patients or our clients want, but we're all about five-star reviews today on platforms, but no one's really doing surveys. And that's something that I'm uh, I'm thinking needs to become a bigger thing. The five-star review is only telling you the good things, but what you really want to hear is the people that didn't choose you. Why didn't somebody choose you? Or that's going to be a lot, it's going to be a more painful lesson and an unpleasant lesson, but you need to know why people don't choose you or why would they choose your competition? And knowing those differences would be very helpful. You know, that that's an area that's hard. It's hard to get good answers from. And I even for myself consider that a blind spot today doing surveys versus just reviews. 
I think we used to do surveys and then we started using the internet and we got away from them. But you mentioned, you know, and starting to wrap it up here, but you had mentioned, I think the main thing about teachers is what I'm hearing you say is to coach, coach their students, find something that they could want to learn, they could maybe find an interest or leads to passion, but most importantly, let them go and, and coach them through it, not consult, not say do step one, two, and three but to allow them the space to figure out the steps. So as we wrap up, thank you so much. Um, it's always fun to talk to different types of entrepreneurs and your journey has certainly been one that is, I think, unique for some of our listeners. Um, how might people get in touch with you uh, if they want to reach out and hear more? Or go on the coffee trail. I want to go on the coffee trail. Come join us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had at D Darab, my Twitter handle, probably the easiest thing to find me. And I normally post my musings there. Um, I've got a C-suite dentist site that I post some blogs. I'm not, not very active, sadly, in e either of those. But the Twitter site serves as kind of a repository of fun things that I've found. And it's kind of it's kind of my mental mental library that I go back there and and look at things I found while surfing the web so thank you for having me it was it was fun to share and hopefully some entrepreneurs can find uh, a quickened pace uh, with some of the some of the information I think maybe not we might not have a choice in this day and age I think if we're we're working harder than ever I think in this COVID period to stay abreast of things so thank you we appreciate your time Always Thank fun. You so much. We Thank you. Appreciate it. And I know that our audience appreciates some of your awesome nuggets of wisdom because it's just great to hear that that other different perspective all the time. We like to we like to mix it up like that. <laughs> so thank you, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Be safe.